We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services hello Trent uh, hello oh hello Parth uh it's good to see you likewise you're looking well thank you you're looking, looking da- well you have yourself. a you have a hair curl like right in the center of your head it's like so curly like a nice curly fry yeah it was unintentional um friend off the show Margot Maxwell um a few weeks ago made a comment about it um about that like, about individual because, curl or just you know, curls like I have, that Th- that individual curl, because she was like, "What? Why do you have like such a like prominent center curl?" Yeah, you're like and Clark I, Kent, kind of. Yeah, she, was, she asked if I had a Superman curl, and I was like, "Well, it's not intentional." And then I got all self conscious, and she felt bad about it, so I felt a little bit better about myself. You could like sweep it back, and then you could be like the podcasting Parth. Yeah, See, like, oh, even oh, if I do it, you try it, just... you try to move it, and it comes right back. Yeah, I think that's your calic. It's also it's because my hair is longer now, so it curls in more distinctive ways. Um, oh, interesting. But, um, speaking of distinctive, you're a distinctive eater, I've heard, and I'm just wondering what you've been eating. A distinctive eater. What a, what a flattering Whatever that means. way to address um, a co-host. Um, I had something that we talked about on the last episode, which was applesauce. I did no mm. spoon required. I sipped it out of the side of the cup at the screening, and then I came home, and I had some almond, chocolate, and cashews trek mix from Trader Joe's, which is very good. And I had another applesauce because there's not that much. Lovely. Yeah, n- not that much food in the house. I, mm. Yeah. Um, what about you? Um, so I was in a meeting earlier this morning um, as I'm working on a short film. And usually when... A lot of meetings. Sh- yeah. Trent, don't even get me started on how many meetings I've had. Um, could have been sent in an email is all I'll say. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, usually when friend of the show, Sophia Alexis is coming over to stay for the weekend, I go to the train station to pick her up. Um, like a gentleman, like a gentleman. And, um, we have a fun walk back, but because of the timing of our meeting, I couldn't do that. And, um, Sophia said she would buy me Chipotle out of the kindness of her art. And, Mm. um, so she brought back a burrito with, um, white rice. I was Lettuce, just gonna ask you corn, to go. Da- I was gonna ask you to go down the line. So and controversially, no beans. No uh, beans. No beans. And um, that's the first station. That's the first stop on the tour. Cream. Okay. Besides the no beans, that seems pretty pretty down the middle. Yeah, I, I would say that's the only controversial section of of my eating habits. Why no, Why no beans? You not like beans at all? No, I used to have beans in my burrito. Sophia is a proponent of no beans. Um, I think she's not a fan of beans on the whole. Um, and I found that I, when you don't have the beans, it makes the burrito less like overstuffed. I guess was my. But I like the overstuffed. I want as much as possible. Bang it, for my buck. Makes, I I don't like when food falls apart in my hands. See, Maybe that's, that's why like you go for the burrito bowl. Because then it's all about volume, and then you can and then you can make it. You but know, Trent, it's not I, I a matter of falling form, apart. I love the form factor. No, of I, a burrito. I love handheld food. Um, yeah. uh, so I I follow you there. But in terms of Chipotle, um, 
I, I know like you're a fan. You're you're a big proponent because, of because the, the burrito bowl. bowl is two meals and the burrito is one meal. That's what it comes down to. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but but speaking you, of wait, two wait, meals, wait, wait, I was just gonna say. I was gonna, just gonna. Usually, an interview is only one podcast or a, little, a podcast. An interview is only one episode, but this interview is like a burrito bowl. But it's mm. three. It's three episodes. Yeah, it's like one part, and a half burrito bowls. Yeah, like Lion King part. Is it part one and a half? Part two and a half. I think it's one and a half. Wait, so, I think yeah. it's one and a half and maybe two and a half. But this, I know like that sounds uh, too crazy. But anyways, uh, th- I know it's is, one and a half. This is the second installment, so this is like the Empire Strikes Back T two. Uh, aliens. It's whatever your wow. cup of tea favorite. So sequel. this is the best one, and the third one will just like suck. Oh, does that apply to most of the franchises I just named? Well, just like most people I'd... don't like Alien Three, don't like T Three, don't like. Well, people like Return For... of the Jedi, but not yeah, as yeah, but much. less. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I, I guess, guess this is where I guess all of the one- all named are like a big step up. For the second one, and sort of, sort of like the third one being even better than the second one, it's almost impossible. So it sort of has to be a big yeah. step down. But somehow I think we'll manage. But um, let's cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week we are continuing our conversation with who? Trent. Head of story for our film of this week, The Incredibles, Mark Andrews, who uh, has worked on a bunch of other cool stuff, like Samurai Jack, The Iron Giant, and won a goddamn Oscar for co-directing Brave. And we get into all of that and much more. And yes. this chunk of the interview. Yeah. Um, again, just continuing off of last week, Mark Andrews, very animated guy, gave a lot of great answers, talks a lot about... Cares a lot thoughts. about animation, too. Cares a lot. I mean, uh, I was texting friend of the show, Adam Volerich, earlier today, um, and we were talking about this interview, and he praised last week's episode. Um, so thank you for that, Mr. Volerich. But we were just talking about how good of a guest Mark Andrews is. And I told Adam Volerich that uh, you and I spent a half an hour on both ends of the interview before recording and after recording a half hour just talking about story and and stories from sets. Yeah, stuff. I forgot how long it took us to start that interview. You yeah. Usually, I mean, no, sometimes there can be a little bit of an awkward shuffle at the beginning to like get it started, but there was no, no shuffle. All the shuffling was good. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Mark Andrews, very nice guy, very informative, talks a lot about story, he talks a lot of, I think this section will be very Incredibles heavy. Mm, um, yeah, it's like, the, it's like the heart of our questions of the interview. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I don't know, should we just cue right into it? Yeah, enjoy part two. Uh, at the end, you can hear a little blurb from Parth and I as an outro, and then come back next week for part three. Cue the interview. Brad Bird has like a very, his movies has a very specific visual look and the, the camera moves in a very 
Brad Bird way across all of them, I feel. But uh, clearly all of these storyboard artists are working on them. So what kind of, like, how is that collaboration between him and the artists going? Like, is he talking with you guys about, like, this is blocking? Or? That's my, no, that's all my job, right? Brad just okay. goes in and says, I want this, 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 this. I mean, we've developed a shorthand, which is, which is, which is a superpower in the industry. I think people don't really understand. That's why Steven Spielberg works with the same people all the time. That's why James Cameron does it. It never changes out his group. You know what I mean? Akira Kurosawa, it's what Akira Kurosawa did. He had the same crew all the time. And so Brad would go, Ugh. and I go, yeah, yeah, I got it. You know, and, and I knew exactly what he meant by the grip. He does chicken strip. Brad can draw, right? But when you're sitting there and time's ticking away and stuff like this, you want to take time to do the clear drawing. So Brad does chicken scratches i understand those right and very few mm. people do right i get what he's talking about as he's talking me through it and so brad never had so i was with the storyboard artists 90 percent of the time right so i am educating them and like i was saying i'm translating brad to them right they the brad were not, whisperer the brad whisperer so um so a uh, a storyboard artist gets an assignment and sometimes they would be kicked off by Brad, but that one goes away quickly, right? That doesn't happen all the time. So Brad will talk to me about the sequence, even in brief, and it's a first pass, right? So let's just try something. So they do a first pass. I look at it. So I'm looking at it with my cinematic eye, which is very close to Brad's cinematic eye. Who wouldn't hire me as a, you know, head of story. And so I'm making choices and decisions, you know, da 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 da, because we have from the uh, similar text. Then the artist shows it to Brad. And Brad goes, okay, okay. I like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And, and, and then afterward, uh, but um, he would, he, I kicked the storyboard artist and everybody out and it would just be me, me and Brad doing the homework, right? Where he'd go through shot by shot, panel by panel, explaining what he really wanted and we get into discussions. The storyboard artists were never part of that. And that was something that just Brad liked to do. Brad didn't like doing showing his math, essentially, showing the work in math, right? He can concentrate with me and essentially have his pants down and go, what do you think? And we could have, you know, a real conversation about but without being worried about whether the storyboard artist gets it or not has a crazy idea. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of that collaboration he wanted to clean up. Right. And eventually there are storyboard artists that, that, um, um, on the team that Brad would ask, he's all, no, Ted Mathot could come in. No, Peter Sohn could come in, you know? Um, and we can talk about it with them in, in the room and go and go through it. Right. But, Brad just trusted trusted me to be there as a sounding board to work through some of these. So that was the collaboration side of things on on Incredibles. And then Brad would leave, and I get my artist in there, and I get everybody in there, right? And I go through all the notes with them and discuss what Brad wanted. And now they could ask me those weird, awkward questions, right? Not Brad. He's busy. He's got to do the other stuff and we can debate it and I can go, well, that's what Brad wants and I'll help you get there. You know, let's try it, you know, and, and on we, on we would go. On Ratatouille is a completely different 
different thing. Um, we never had notes. It was one and done. We would do a sequence and kick it into editorial as quick as we could. So layout could just do uh, what we boarded, right? Because any notes, uh, now that I've gone through it on Incredibles, right? The boards don't have to be perfect, <laughs> right? Because nobody's watching Steve Jobs, you know, what Steve Jobs wanted to watch. There's no audience for that, right? You're watching the final movie. So our work is invisible. So why am I fucking jumping through hoops and doing backflips on stuff to get it <clears throat> so that nobody sees? Well, it's so that Brad doesn't have to explain himself to lay out an animation. It speaks for itself, right? So there's a there's a there's a, a economy in that way of working. But in reality, it's not accurate because 3D is 3D. It's accurate versus 2D artists. We cheat all the fucking time, right? So we're doing little cheats to do stuff. I mean, it was a big headache on, on Iron Giant to have a 3D Iron Giant at a certain height with 2D animated stuff. Where's that? I can't get this shot exactly. So a lot of that happened, right? But on Ratatouille, it was like, we're not doing this anymore. We got 18 months to turn this film around. Uh-uh. We do it once. You put it in an editorial. You cut it the way you want it. You send it to layout. Any note that you want cinematically, Brad, Layout's going to do it because they can do it faster, right? And that and that was the process, and that was why we were able to get that done on time. The Incredibles is pretty famously one of, uh, I think, the first Pixar film to uh, where humans are the main characters, and uh, I think like the famous examples like Violet's hair, I know, was like yeah. re- pin straight, like yeah. super difficult to animate. And is there any other unexpected dealing in humans, uh, uh, like particular Te- difficulties? Technology wise, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. no, absolutely. Or, or design-wise or anything uh, like that. Design's not a problem. Design's the easy stuff, right? That That's a piece of cake. You get a drawing. The problem is, is translating a drawing, again, into 3D, and that's why we have a sculpting department. So you spend all this time designing it in 2D, then you have to design it again in 3D so that the modelers can build it, and then you have to clean it up and do that stuff. But that, that part essentially is the easy stuff. Rigging, right? Muscles. Clothing under the muscles. What's affecting what? Are we going realistic here? Are we going, uh, you know, designy here? I mean, there's a, a lot of things. I mean, this is fake light, but it's actually hitting skin. So we want to have it pass through the skin and bounce around. And that's what gives our skin the, the color that we have. That's why you can see light through people's ears or when, when you hold a flashlight up to your finger, right? You can almost see an x-ray, you know? So there's all this stuff and, and, and everybody's deciding there's lots and lots and lots of super talented and smart people, some with PhDs. We're getting in discussions on what is this thing actually going to look like, right? Because that means different complexities of, of doing this stuff. Um, 2D is easy. 2D is easy by comparison. You don't have to worry about freaking muscles. You don't see it until you see it. You know, it doesn't behave the same. So there are muscular rigs. We had skin-tight suits, something that I I never understood. It's like, why are we building a skin-tight suit when you could just paint over the top of of the person, right? It's because of the textures. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why that that happens. Um, 
So there was a lot of stuff beyond hair. Hands. We didn't perfect hands until Ratatouille, right? Look at the Incredibles <laughs> again and just watch the hands, right? You're going to be going, oh, ooh, right? Joints is a problem, especially the collarbone, shoulder, scapula area, right? Again, in 2D, we could draw, we can cheat, but rigging this thing to collapse the way it does and to open the way it does, right, uh, is incredibly difficult because it moves so much of the body. I mean, we have a gigantic pectoral. We've got the lat, latimus dorsi behind us. We got the trapezius. We got the shoulder itself. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that you just can't put a pin in it right in in the center of the of an orbital joint and have it go up and down because then you have weird ass you know that's what the uncanny valley is for anybody who doesn't know what the uncanny valley is it's something that's rigged with a basic skeleton mechanic and so it doesn't look right and it doesn't look right because it's not right the human body is not basic i mean yes we have a hinge here we have you know this orbital hinge here but we also have a hinge here at the center of our neck where the collarbone, you know. So we were finding all those complexities, right? And instead of designing, right, or rigging to the design of what we were trying to achieve, we were trying to get it to actually work, right? To actually work, right? And this is, we're talking animation. We're talking squash and stretch. Nothing squashes and stretches in real life. That's called breaking bones, right? I mean, if I land from a jump, I'm going to roll or I'm going to do something bad. You know, we're not we're not bouncing balls, right? But to get that sense of weight, to get the shape changes that we need, to get the simulation on hair and cloth to work just right, it needs to work right. You know, because it's it those th- systems, those programs were designed with real life parameters, not animated cartoon stylization of the human body parameters when the when the incredibles ran i mean they had these pin thin legs <laughs> violet right and and helen had these pin thin legs right and so when they ran with the first test when they're running you're going ah is that what it's gonna look like you know because they're storks storks don't run so we had to stylize and we had to work within you know, it's a lot of things, elements clashing at the same time. And so your priorities got to shift to make it all delicately work together. There's a balance, a beautiful balance of all this stuff that ha- that happens behind the scenes that nobody knows. Nobody knows how many arguments and, you know, you know, papers being tossed off the table and chairs being flipped and desks being turned over. Right. As we're trying to figure this out, it's messy and it's chaotic and it ain't easy. I mean, speaking on like difficulties, we always try to ask, like, it seems like the whole movie was just like a complete pain in the ass for better, better lack of a term um, in terms of difficulty. But is there a specific sequence that you are that you found like was just like the most difficult to crack? And was there a sequence that you um, after having worked on the movie, you were like, I'm most proud of this? And they can be the same or different. Sure, sure. No, I don't, I don't, um, it's, it's, subjectivity is a weird thing, you know, because when you're in it, you're, you're kind of subject, right? All of a sudden, objectivity becomes a superpower, right? And that's why 
we have producers or executives, right? The people that aren't in the woods and can kind of see what the movie is, right? Without having been involved and being passionate about it, you know? And as a, you know, person who's been in the industry for about 10 years up to this point, I don't really, you know, I've seen struggles with story, absolutely for sure, you know? But there's no necessarily right or wrong answer. You know, you put... You put 365 directors in a room and ask them to do the Bible. You're going to get 365 different movies of the Bible. Not any one of them is going to be the same, right? So, what does that say about about storytelling? What is right and what is wrong? Uh, uh-uh. it's what what where's the director's vision? Where do they want to go? And what are the story they're trying to tell? So it's it's this balance between expectations, right, and reality, right? And Brad would always describe story like Einstein described physics. You can't see the whole line. We see parts of the line. We see the tail and we see the foot. And for Brad, it was always a, a, a struggle to do you bend story to your will or do you recognize that's great, that's entertaining, that I am moved, and do you, do you, do you let go of yourself and follow the story's will, what it wants to be? You know what I mean? Which is very philosophical philosophical but all to say that the first version of Incredibles would have been fantastic because it had this Kaiser Sose kind of who's the bad guy kind of thing and you know a, a more complex story and it would have been fan done easy right uh it would have been great who's the real villain you know but um we're at Pixar and and you know we got some very good storytellers right and the Pixar, you know, folks that there, John Lasseter and Andrew Stan, the Pete Doctor, right? Um, and a bunch of others, you know, they look at it and John comes back and we had this little sequence up at the beginning of the original Incredibles, which was about Syndrome, right? And he was a he was a villain, he was a super villain that discovered the identity, the true identity of Mr. Incredible, right? And it was the opening thing because that's the most precious thing to a superhero, right, is that anonymity, right? And Brad mm-hmm. was really putting a fine point on it with this opening sequence where after a barbecue, right, somebody discovers it's Mr. Incredible at a barbecue, right, and and the guy breaks out of freaking prison to come and kill him, you know? I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the fear any superhero would have, that my loved one, you know, is a threat because somebody figured out who I am. They're not going to attack me. They can't beat me, right? But but they're going to go after Lois Lane, right? So, Syndrome. And he was a great character, and, and it was a... Jeff Lynch started the sequence, and then I came on to finish it because he had to go be ahead of story and do his other, do other things. Uh, uh, so, but, you know, at the end of it, when we showed that, it clicked for John, and John goes, that's it. Instead of who's this villain, blah, 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 the Kaiser Sose thing, that's your vision, right? That's your villain. It's a, it's a, it's a jilted boy wonder. I get that. There is an emotional pathos to that. It's easily relatable and understandable. The guy who gets overlooked, of course he's going to disappear and then come back, and that's why superheroes are missing. So, a lot of Brad's original ideas in the first pass of Incredible all stay. And I call this story chiropractic, 
right? Where you know something's off in your body, but you don't know what. And we made that one change. Here's the villain. It's a jilted boy wonder. And all of a sudden the story went into place like your back does, right? And I see that happen over and over and over again. We did it on Ratatouille. It was two things that we changed. And all of a sudden, the story worked. On Brave, I did one thing, and the story worked, right? That's the thing that you can't anticipate, right? You have to go ahead and do your story and sit there and live with it and go, why is this not working, you know? I mean, you guys go watch lots of movies, don't you? Yeah. And when you saw a movie that didn't work, right, you guys are probably talking about it all the time. You know what they should have done? You know what they should have done, right? That's what the storyboarding process is in animation, right? No other, they should do this in live action. They'd save a lot of money, right? Um, but they, they they don't have it. They're rush, 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 right? So animation builds this kind of time because it takes a lot of time to develop the assets and blah, 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 right? It's not hire your actors and fly them out to Barbados and start filming, you know? It's not that easy. So we have in animation, we have this almost insulation, right? When it comes to story, the clock is still ticking, but we have some time to sit with it, right? We can barf it out, look at it and go, this is a dumb movie. I still like the idea, the concept, but you know what? We have no ending and, and, the, and, the, and the middle sucks, right? We can analyze it after the fact. It's unfair, <laughs> right? Um, and that's what we're doing, right? We get to we get to write it, we get to shoot it, we get to see it as an audience, and again get that objectivity back, right? Because that's the superpower. When you don't give a shit about what it is, then you cut through the mustard and you can get right to the problem. And go, no, it's this. You know what I mean? And people are worth their weight in gold who can do that out in Hollywood and are allowed to do that. You know, people that you, people that you trust. So it's a, it's a process, as they say. That's the process. What an interview. What an interview. Truly magical, mystical, and continuing next week. Mm, in part three. And the final part. Yes, even. Yes, the, the, the grand finale. And uh, after that, logically, naturally, we'll be discussing our thoughts on The Incredibles. You think it'll just be mono mono Man. I think so. Parth um, versus Trent style. This is well. I mean, I think we have pretty similar thoughts on the. I'm I'm so, so this will be excited. I'm so excited to rewatch it. It's so good, Trent. When I lived in Utah and I was depressed, as if I'm not depressed now, but I had uh, my iTunes was signed into your account, and so I had all of your movies. And whenever I needed a boost, I would watch The Incredibles through your iTunes account. This is why I love having such a, a vast. Uh, digital film collection yeah. because people will just sign into it and then months later tell me Partha thanks for your movie account I was able to watch these the series of films that I really wanted to and it really made me feel better yeah I won't my aunt did that yeah yeah 
She watched Harry Potter. She was like, thanks, Parth. And I was like, You allowed that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I won't incriminate myself, but I... The the Disney Plus were on, the Criterion I have, is all people who don't know and probably wouldn't want me to still have access. They thought it was probably like a one-time deal. I kind of enjoy tuning into my HBO Max account and just seeing the wide range of things that'll be Because we watched. do it under your name. Because it would feel weird to do it under any of your parents. Or you your should parents. do it under Viraj's name. But the locked account? I couldn't watch yeah. as much Impractical Jokers as I want to. That's true. Um, but I'll, I'll just see, like, hmm. So he's on a Sopranos kick. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. I even... This is the sort of thing where you think one's parents might be... It, when my parents uh, over Easter brunch were like, oh, there's this thing we really want to watch on Paramount Plus or whatever, one of the more obscure off-to-the-side ones, and then um, we tell them that we have someone's Paramount Plus account, but it's like someone's, someone else's cousin, and you think that they might frown upon that, but my mom was ecstatic to learn that she could use wow. an absolute stranger's information to watch a show she wanted to on Paramount Plus. So I guess that that feeling never goes away. Yes. Yes. Um, sorry, I just took a glass, glass of, water. of water. Yeah. Thirsty. And it, like water just like leaves me wanting more. And I guess that's what this episode does. Um, but guess what, folks? Trent. Yeah. Is there more? There is indeed more. Yeah. If you want, if you if you've come this far, it's like Shawshank Redemption. If you've come this far, why not go a bit further? Um, mm. When he wants uh, Red to go to Zinwat Tanejo with him. Um, nice. Yeah, th- those were the roughly the pronunciation. But uh, thus to suffice it to say, you should stick around next week, next Sunday for part three, the grand finale of the interview, and then a week after that, we'll be discussing it. After that, question mark. Like, the- and you can find us on all uh, social media or on all podcasting platforms: um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Everywhere we are there for you instagram twitter yes. craft we, do, we are not pod. on all social media no but we are on instagram and on twitter i feel like those are i mean i guess i can't even say we're on all the relevant ones because i'm sure the podcast we're not on tiktok i was just gonna say i'm sure the podcasts that are succeeding better than us are are on tiktok but i i think we can i don't want that for us yeah i guess it's just like us competing with like call her daddy you know yeah, it's like we're the last two podcasts on Earth. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, the only ones that matter. Um, it's us, Team Deacons, and Call Her Daddy are in like well, a lot. Well, I don't, our, our, I don't like to mention, our, I don't like to fraternize with the enemy. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, uh, catch us next week for part three with Mark Andrews. An incredible month. We're halfway through it. An incredible um, month. Yes. Um, and... Trent, I'll see you next week. Yep, yep, yep. Goodbye. Well, I think I'll see you probably later today, but... Uh, goodbye. <laughs>